Since 2017, the Italian Wine Podcast has exploded, recently hitting 6 million listens. Support us by buying a copy of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 or making a small donation. In return, we'll give you the chance to nominate a guest and even win lunch with Stevie Kim and Professor Attilio Scienza. Find out more at italianwinepodcast.com. Chin chin. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we will learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Today we travel to the wine hills of Bologna to meet Anna Sgarzi of Cantina Sgarzi Luigi in Castel San Pietro Terme. Ciao, Anna. Thanks so much for being my guest today. How are you? Hi, Mark. I'm very good today. Thanks for asking and very pleased to be here with you with this chat. Great. Good. Well, I'm looking forward to our chat too. Anna, first of all, tell us where you are. Tell us what the countryside is like. You're in Romagna and Castel San Pietro Terme sounds like a beautiful, beautiful little borgo. It is. It is. Actually, we are... uh, in the middle of uh, where the Emilia uh, becomes Romagna because uh, we are uh, close to the, the, the river, which is called uh, Sillaro, which is the geographical division from Emilia to Romagna, even for what is also the, the um, regulation concerning wine. So we can do some uh, IGT wines that are proper from Romagna or even from Emilia because we are in this... Uh, in this uh, in this area, um, uh, Castel San Pietro has hills, as you told at the beginning, from the hills of Bologna. But uh, the winery is in the plain, so we are lucky to see hills from our window uh, every day. Castel San Pietro is a yes, it's a town of about um, twenty thousand inhabitants, and uh, my family, uh, all of them, so my, both my father and my mother, they born uh, here. So Sgarzi, uh, which is our, our surname, is a typical surname from this uh, from this area, which is also the name of the, the company, Cantina Sgarzi. Well, tell us the story of the company. Tell us the story of your family winery. Well, yeah, with pleasure. This is a, actually a story that I very proud to tell because uh, it's a story of a couple which is my dad and my mom they were just two three of them producing wine and uh, today after 40 years uh, we could say we are a we are a proper identity in the wine sector not just a little winery anymore the the fields the vineyards um, the area where the where the winery has been built, they were uh, owned by my grand-grandfather, Luigi. The name of the winery, of course, is Garzi Luigi. And then uh, also my brother get uh, the name uh, Luigi for tradition. And then, uh, yeah, my father, um, um, he starts working uh, in, in, the, in this company, which at the beginning was just... Uh, 
They used to produce also buying wines, but uh, the way to sell it was just uh, was just the way to sell it in bulk. So uh, with trucks uh, all all around Italy. Then, uh, with the help of my mother, that she was speaking a good English and a, a good um, a good uh, German, uh, they start to explore uh, the 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 outside uh, of the of of Italy with the with the sales of wine and. Uh, at the beginning with Europe and then uh, with uh, other countries all around the world, they start this uh, intense uh, export activity. And uh, before, with, the, with also always with bulk, but uh, in the last 20 years with uh, bottles and uh, other type of packaging. Well, that's a really, really interesting story, Anna. So we're really going back to your great-grandfather Luigi, uh, who, like other small wine growers in the wine hills of Bologna, but also all across Italy, was producing wines from his own grapes. Is that right? Presumably, maybe Sangiovese, Albana, the typical grapes of Bologna, the Colli Bolognese. But then through your father, the business has grown and you're now working with wine producers from all over Italy to have an extensive range of wines. How does that work? The buying of wine is one of, I think, the most difficult things to learn. I don't even know if it's possible to learn how to select a proper good supplier that can can be honest and provide you always uh, a good quality wine before everything it's the 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 view that you have of what is going to be so the future uh, the nearly future so even at this time of the year it's always because we just have the picking of the grapes uh, it's always important to not just to read uh, like uh, analytics number forecasting but you must have like a sensitivity of what's gonna be is going to happen on on the market so this is a particular actually characteristic that uh, my father he has in his blood actually it's uh, it's one i believe not just because it's my father he, he really knows uh, the market the, the market of buying actually and the market of selling and as well because he must be like looking into a crystal ball and thinking well i'm going to be able to sell wines of this style in these different markets? Well, the selling, it's more a matter of uh, here uh, really well what customer or people you have in front, they, they want to, because we actually, we always believe that the, um, the wine exhibition, trade fair, they were always a good place where to meet, not just a new account, so not just for uh, find a new, new new customers, but also to to understand what what was going on on the market at that in that moment and what were the, the requests from the market. So 
And this way to understand, to observe buyers, um, general accounts, uh, speaking or asking about wines, uh, is one of the best uh, indicators to understand uh, what you can uh, supply. Okay. So the family still have your own vineyards. Uh, is that right? In the vineyards around Castel San Pietro? Yes, we own 140 hectares of vineyards. Okay, so an important amount. And is that still the forming an important core of the business? Yes, absolutely. We always have to remember that wine is always coming from grapes. So we absolutely need uh, and we, we, if we have the possibility and the chance to, to increase uh, the, the, the vineyards, uh, we are welcome to do that. You know that uh, vineyards uh, in Italy and all over the world are uh, regulated. You cannot uh, plant new vineyards like this. There's a quote. There's a 100 uh, quote of vineyards of uh, Sangiovese, let's say, and uh, you cannot create new ones. So it's not a free market. Okay. Yeah, I understand that. So so the wines from your own grapes, would that be the sparkling Pignoletto and Malvasia, mm-hmm. as well as the Sangiovese, the Trebbiano, and the Chardonnay? A little bit of Merlot also. A little bit of Merlot. Okay. So that's really an important core of the business, typical wines from your area. And you also have this incredible range of wines from all across Italy, from Puglia, from Veneto, from Piemonte, from Abruzzo. In fact, almost from everywhere. Are you working in partnership with the same producers year in and year out? Yes. If there's the chance to do that, yes. If there's a particular situation through why maybe someone cannot supply because they had problems uh, uh, or they don't have uh, enough quantity to supply, we have to change it. But we always try to look in the same area or for us... um, to, to keep up with the same standards is important. So we try to get a long-term relationship instead to get to one and then to another one. Sure, uh, sure. To jump to, to one supply to another. Uh, document traceability, uh, guarantee of quality is not uh, so easy to find everywhere. We were first to forced to um, open our portfolio, not just to the Romanians, Emilia-Romanians wines, but also to other regions of Italy, because, uh, you know, uh, the international overview of Italy is not focused on Emilia-Romania wines, no? And so this is why they are always keeping asking about um, most, uh, let's say, famous uh, varieties of other regions like Primitivo from Apulia or like uh, Chianti from Toscana. Yeah, of course, of course. Now, I'm, I'm interested too in how your company focuses on the marketing, the sale of wines. Uh, you sell in bottle, you still sell in bulk, but you also offer a really interesting variety of alternative packagings from Tetra Brick, bag and box, as well as wine in cans. Do you think this is something that consumers are increasingly aware of? And will this grow in importance as sustainability and becoming more environmentally responsible is ever more important to consumers as well as to producers? Yes, it's like this. Those kind of packaging, they exist from... A lot of years. It's not uh, born just uh, uh, like in the last years 
but we are uh, it. What well, we are get we, we we get in touch with this uh, with the, with this word, no sustainability. That nowadays is very common. Uh, probably, in my opinion, just speaking like person, Anasgardi, sustainability and the environment should have been considered um, many, many years before than today. Because today we are talking about this because we are forced uh, due to the climate crisis that we are observing today. And, um, for example, begging box is something that uh, from the north of Europe has always been requested uh, and it was looked as a, a, a way to drink the wine that was um, easier because uh, they had sex to uh, a big quantity of wine, like three or five liters, and they were able to serve their own glass of wine uh, without using uh, open a, a glass bottle and even reducing the, the, the waste of glass. And uh, the same uh, came out a little bit uh, for uh, all the other kind of packaging, like the Tetra Pak that was at the beginning really common for uh, juice and uh, soft uh, beverages such as milk or uh, fruit juice. Uh, now the, the cans, uh, yes, is another very common uh, packaging, common, uh, let's say, we, we heard a lot to talk about uh, aluminium cans uh, always for the concept of the, the, the recycle of the aluminium that it's um, is a recyclable is 100% recyclable and today we can say that the 70% of the containers of uh, aluminium uh, we use uh, it's made by recycled uh, aluminium also Cantines Gardi uh, our winery actually we we start to use and uh, at the same time uh, studying the the wine the cans uh, as a container for wines not just wines but also for uh, wine beverages 20 years ago probably the result was not really good uh, really satisfying because uh, uh, even the the, the the container in itself, uh, it wasn't ready for uh, the contact with the wine. Uh, the wine, uh, I have to say, is something that which is really difficult to store because the acidity of the wine doesn't go goes really well with the, with the aluminium. So in all those years, um, we try to improve uh, the liquid and work uh, together with the can suppliers to understand which was the best uh, way to preserve the wine from the oxidation and the contact with the aluminium. And now we can say that uh, absolutely for some, some types of wine, not all, all of them, to drink a, a, a glass of wine from a can or drink the wine straight from the can, you have the same sensation like uh, open a bottle, like I'm speaking about like a frizzante, a rosé, something which is have to be fresh and easy. I'm not uh, pretend to compare uh, an Amarone uh, with, a, with, a, with, a, with a can, but uh, for some um, everyday wines, some uh, beverages such as like spritz, 
today we have uh, very, very, very good results. And uh, a consumer uh, can be more attracted from this type of uh, packaging, yes, because uh, they have uh, less uh, waste uh, at home, like in a bar. The new generation is more, uh, is putting a lot of attention in reducing the waste and uh, using uh, alternative packaging because they could be recycled or, or uh, even, even, even reducing the volume of the waste. Uh, I believe it's really important, such as the, the, the weight of the packaging to transport it. Wine to Wine Business Forum. Everything you need to get ahead in the world of wine. Supersize your business network. Share business ideas with the biggest voices in the industry. Join us in Verona on November 13 to 14, 2023. Tickets available now at pointwine.net. Also, Anna, I think looking at the range of canned wines that you do, you have colorful, fun labels. So it's really approaching wine in a very different way from a traditional bottle with a traditional label. As you say, do you think that will make wine drinking in alternative packaging more appealing to a younger generation of wine drinkers? And is that your target market? It is. I mean, I'm not pretending to get the youngers, uh, 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 wine drinkers, uh, um, but uh, to reduce the distance uh, that uh, today we have built between uh, young and the wine. When I go around, and like for example, especially in the summer, and you see a lot of young people um, that uh, at the restaurant, they instead of uh, asking for a, a bottle of wine or a good glass of wine they drink a coca-cola or uh, or just or a spritz uh, uh, talking about uh, alcoholic beverages i'm uh, i'm a little bit sad because uh, i believe we have worked too much on the seriousness of wine and um, the new generation find difficult to to approach to it and they don't want to appear like ignorant even when they ask about wine no? uh, at the sommelier uh, to a sommelier in a restaurant so uh, to avoid this uh, situation they prefer to not asking actually sometimes for wines and i believe that can uh, for the packaging for the design that you use for the packaging for the way of drinking it so just open you know the sound that you make the cans make when you open it it's something that could be for them easier yeah i can really see that that's really interesting that it, it takes some of the mystique out of wine and perhaps wine in a serious heavy bottle that has to be opened with a corkscrew is intimidating to younger people i'm thinking as well anna that perhaps wine in alternative packaging certainly in cans presents opportunities to drink wines in different situations, perhaps more easily on a picnic or even traveling on a train, different occasions from sitting around a table enjoying a meal together, maybe also with different cuisines experimenting. What are your thoughts on food paired with wine served in some of the alternative forms of packaging? Do you think that, again, broadens the appeal? Well, uh, this is something that I was uh, observing like uh, um, abroad, like in, in places like, such as like uh, Latin America, like Mexico, no? where uh, we try, of course, to sell wine even over there and uh, when you want to approach to something like so uh, far from your traditional way even to 
eat and, and drink because we all know that they are consumer of um, spirits instead of wine uh, most of the time. And uh, with the can, can uh, even, uh, yes, approach to this um, type of uh, food that is also most of the time like street food. And uh, you can also give uh, a lot of choice of what you want to drink. And we always, actually, we get in this type of approach to like Asian cuisine or, or spicy cuisine from uh, the Latin America using uh, not uh, very dry wines, but uh, most of the time they have uh, a little bit of uh, residual sugar to help uh, the pairing uh, with, the, with this type of food. Sure. Well, that's really interesting too, how the packaging as well makes it more approachable um, to enjoy with with different cuisines or indeed, as you say, with with street food. I'm imagining um, uh, I've traveled a lot in Mexico. I was actually born in Mexico. So oh. um, it's a cuisine that I really love. And Me too. I can see that in, in certain situations that this would be a good, easy, um, an enjoyable way to enjoy wine with meals because as you say in Mexico it might be more normally a beer with food because there isn't such a culture of wine drinking. Yeah, even for the weather like for example when yeah. it's very yeah. hot and warm uh, it can, it's easier to store and refresh so it's possible to serve it uh, in uh, different places because you can uh, cool it like in a small fridge instead to refrigerate a bottle it takes you more time and uh, require you like a proper place or a safe place where to keep it while the can it's easier to store and place because you can put one can over the other one, whatever. The can, it's really sensible to humidity. It can be damaged. It, it, it's not unbreakable, but uh, it's uh, even it, in any way, it's easy to to move uh, cans instead of bottles, especially in places uh, where it's not so easy to get like even the uh, energy to to, to, to to, for the cooler, so you know uh, all the those those type of cooler that they use to. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's uh, good that you know Mexico very well. So especially when they go around, when they sell you like uh, something that it refreshes, sometimes they most of the time they use this type of cooler with ice inside. No, yeah, sure. Intense for that, it's very it's very useful. Also, I think the quantity. I think traditional wine drinkers are used to wine coming in a seventy-five centiliter bottle, and uh, you know a lot of people don't necessarily want to drink a whole bottle at a sitting and in that respect alternative forms of packaging can also make it easier to enjoy maybe a glass or you know a can with a couple of glasses shared between a few people it's very interesting to think about wine outside the bottle as it were uh, not something that i encounter in my work a great deal but you've really given me food for thought on this Anna, is Cantine Scarzi open to visitors? Can people visit you? 
Yes, of course. We are open uh, from uh, Monday to Friday, uh, from uh, 9 to 6 p.m. Uh, we ask uh, if it's possible to uh, give us a call or an email before, but we are always open. And then we could be open even the weekend, but we ask for um booking before because we are just to organize our team okay. for that. And of course... Um Castel San Pietro Terme is a beautiful place to visit in its own right for anybody perhaps visiting Bologna who wants to get out into the countryside. It's a beautiful place to visit. Yes, uh, thanks for saying that and even for eating. <laughs> Don't forget, Bologna is very well known for eating for filled pasta, tortellini, tortelloni, lasagne and so on. Absolutely. It's one of the great cuisines of Italy. Anna, thank you so much for sharing your family story of how this important business has evolved from a small family vineyard to now a business that's supplying wines from all over Italy and indeed selling wine all over the world. Um, you've really made me give thought to the benefits of alternative packaging and how they can be appealing to um, new wine consumers, younger wine consumers, and also to anybody who likes a glass of wine but needs it in a more convenient form. I really enjoyed our discussion, so thank you so much for being my guest today. Grazie. <laughs> Grazie, Mark. Thanks to you, Mark, and um, everybody is listening. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye for now. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Please remember to like, share and subscribe right here or wherever you get your pods. Likewise, you can visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Until next time, chin chin.